You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a platform we've created to bring the Nordic tech community together. My name is Charlotte Roberts and I'm your host. Hey, so firstly, I just want to say a massive thank you for everybody who's joining me today. Uh, this is officially my first all-female um, podcast. Uh, so joining me today, I've got Linda, Jenny and CJ, and we're going to be discussing building effective teams. Uh, but before we go ahead and jump into the questions, um, I'd like everybody to do a quick introduction to themselves. Um, so if Linda, if you'd like to go first, that'd be lovely. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm uh, Linda and I'm uh, working as a product owner for H&M Group within our AI uh, department. So I have two teams that are working within AI and uh, leading them from all that comes from strategy and roadmap and uh, like building the teams as well together with a bunch of their managers and uh, and myself and the Scrum Master. So super excited to be here and uh, lovely to meet all of you. Definitely. Thank you very much, um, Linda, for that introduction. Not only are you busy at work, but obviously you're getting married next week as well, which is super exciting for you outside of work. (laughs) Thank you. Just put my out of office. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, as soon as this podcast is over, out of office, on. (laughs) Yeah. Love that. Oh, thank you very much, Linda, for your introduction. And Jenny, if you'd like to go next, that'd be lovely. Yeah, sure. So my name is Jenny Hellenberg. I'm an engineering manager here at Canby. I've been working with teams in one form or another for the past uh, 10 years as leading teams, as a team lead or a manager or in senior management. Uh, But the last year and a half, I've been working here at Canby, managing two teams and recently done a team emerge as well. So I have recent experience from uh, building a new team. Definitely. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much, Jenny, uh, for that introduction. Um, And last but certainly not least, if CJ, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yes, uh, I'm CJ Jenkins. Um, I am currently the head of data at Devo Team Creative Tech in Sweden. Um, I am relatively new to officially leading teams. I built a team with my co-leader, Klarna, Um, but she was the leader on paper. I was only helping in the background, Um, but now I lead a team of about 15 data engineers, data scientists, and data analysts across our four offices, and I have what could only be described as an army of master students (laughs) that um, I'm working with right now as well. So I'm relatively new to the leadership thing, but I'm really excited to talk to you guys about it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, thank you very much, CJ, and everybody else for uh, for their introductions. Um, we definitely got a good panelist for for the discussion um, today. Um, so before, uh, so now then, we'll go ahead and get started with the with the questions. Um, so the first question then, um, this has been submitted by Jenny. Um, so Jenny, you've asked what makes a happy team. Um, and I just love this question. Um, but Jenny, if you'd like to give a bit of background behind this question, and then I'll open it up to the group um, for everyone to jump in. Yeah, sure. So I believe that a happy team is an effective team, and it's an effective way to build an effective team. Uh, but of course, there's a, a lot you can mean when you say a happy team. Uh, so uh, I would like to have your views on what is a happy team to you and how uh, you go about in building your happy team. Uh, 
because I was at Women in Tech just the other week here in Stockholm, and there was a really interesting focus session uh, uh, regarding justice, effective teams and happy teams, so that being one and the same. And her take was that a happy team was like a safe team. You need to build psychological safety. That's I think we went to the same uh, session. <laughs> Great. <Yeah. laughs> so, but I have my own take on it, uh, of course, but I, I would love to hear your thoughts uh, on this first. It's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it sort of comes into what we're going to talk about later in terms of skills, right? Because you can have like a happy team where everybody gets along and high fives each other every day, but like they don't necessarily get super amounts of work done. Um, so I'm going to just say those words and pass the buck. No, um, <laughs> it's like, okay. uh, yeah. I was like, what I'm looking for in a happy team, what I found in the past um, that I'm trying to build is the hardest thing to do as a lead is to get your people to ask each other dumb questions, right? And so that like, I'm always like the rising tide lifts all boats and people can come to me with questions, but if it's all you know, related to like them coming to me, then I don't scale very well. And so for me, a happy team means breaking down the barriers um, of nervousness, anxiety between people. And so that they feel comfortable asking each other dumb questions and like looking like they don't know something in front of their colleagues. And so as an extrovert, I've always seen that as like, you know, a good way to build happy teams. And what that looks like is to make people feel comfortable with each other socially. Uh, so that they can then ask each other uh, questions professionally, right? And so in the past, that's what's worked for me. And so I've tried to see that with, uh, see that through with other people. And so that like, you know, pair programming only works if you're willing to look foolish in front of each other, but it's a really good way to build good relationships. And so based off of that principle, I try to make people feel more comfortable with each other in each other's space so that they build a happy team. But uh, how do you guys do it? Yeah, I think, Jenny, you mentioned it as well, that there's like different aspects to it, right? Like, I think yeah. it's around trusting each other, kind of what you're into, CJ, as well, like that develops in like having a big trust in that no one judges you basically and, and make sure that you can have that kind of level of safety as well, which kind of goes into the whole psychological safety question, which I really believe in and that, that I feel very passionate about in like building, which is also then around the pillars of being happy also means that you're like efficient. We don't waste time on like various stuff that we uh, basically don't want to do or like that we do like too many meetings or like whatever it can be that can be like waste um, and also feel like a sense of accomplishment and also that we feel that we trust each other to deliver what we are are basically committing ourselves to so having that sense of ownership and accountability within the team as well I found that it's super important because otherwise if everyone is just like doing their thing but no one really wants to take responsibility over it it kind of creates a lot of uncertainty and then everyone feels a bit insecure and then it creates just a, like a weird vibe so like i feel like all of these things really go together and also not to uh, 
to minimize the the importance of having fun together as well. Like I really believe that humor and like doing fun stuff, like even even if it's online, like we have people that are um, spread out, so people are working from home or like working in India or like here in Stockholm. So we really need to find that like hybrid setting of of doing fun stuff. But we've had a lot of practice during the last two years in in that. So um, at least that's good. Um, but that also then builds up like a personal connection to the other team members, which I really think helps in in building the trust and safety in in the team. So like all of those things together builds a happy team that also then likes to work together and that likes to have fun together and that uh, really like looks forward to coming to work and that builds like happiness in my in my book at least. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you both. Um, to me, uh, what I like to do with the team is to get them to share not only work-related items with, with each other, but personal. Like the Radical Candor really speaks to me, if you heard about that book or even read it. So if we can look uh, foolish together or can we share our special interests, can we be ourselves for a hundred percent, then it's much easier to uh, build a, a good working relationship as well. Because every time we need to hide something of ourselves, it takes so much energy. It's going to take focus away from the teamwork. And if you have focus on something else, then you can't really be effective, can you? And so I always, I'm an extrovert, just like you, CJ. So I help my team, that, and they are not always extroverts. Like it's very common to have a, a, a big mix. Uh, but what I do is that I share. I'm being goofy, I'm being silly, I'm being forgetful, I'm being everything, just to show them that it's okay to, to be however you are. It's also okay to be shy and to be introverted, but if you speak up when it's important to you so that everyone feels safe to do that. But I try to like with my my team now the 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 new team, I've uh, got them to share some some fun incidents that they've had both in work life and in private life, to show more of themselves that they maybe had done uh, before, and uh, to get just so to, to have a laugh. Yeah, along those same lines, one of the things that we did on my team at Klarna with my co-lead Hazar. Um, this started very haphazardly. We had a new engineer joining the team and Hazar was like, we should play games together. And I was like, no, here's the problem. I'm really competitive. And so is Yuri, the new engineer. I was like, that's not going to work out. We're going to end up hating each other. And she's like, no, no, no. Like, hear me out. We'll try something. I'm like, okay. And so we settled on, do you guys know the game Cards Against Humanity? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's filthy, right? And it's also really difficult to be strategizing when playing Cards Against Humanity. It's not a game where like you can strategize. It's a game where you have to know everybody else really well. But because it's filthy, <laughs> it also broke down a lot of barriers. And so we played it with the two new engineers and like it put us, it took us from a position of being team leads to being in a position of like hanging out with them and like sharing person, well, not that personal, but like, you know, having a laugh about the most ridiculous. One of the cards was uh, throwing a virgin into the volcano. 
And Yuri afterwards, he was like, you just have to visualize it. You have to like put yourself in the mindset of seeing that. And I was like, what? That's ridiculous. But so every single time somebody else new joined the team, we would play Cards Against Humanity so we could start breaking down these barriers and like, you know, the, start coming up with like inside jokes that, um, and getting to know each other on a personal level. But yeah, it's along those same lines of like being goofy and getting to know each other and like feeling yeah. more comfortable. But when I would tell that to new people, I was like, yeah, our team always plays Cards Against Humanity with new people. They're like, you do what? <laughs> at work I, I, it's a good onboarding I, I, activity yeah. i love that cj but yeah. i also understand that not everyone are, are like you and me and some people really really hate playing games and doing those sort of things um so i all, always try to find some activities that can cater to different personalities yeah. and we do the goofiness but we also do something that is more in line of what other personalities might like, like yeah. focusing on what is important uh, to you during a workday for you to be satisfied and feeling fulfilled. Because if we can fulfill as many basic needs for the people on the team, I think that they then can uh, let go of the stress of, of those sort of things. Like, oh, do I have to be available on Slack 24-7 or do I have to answer within two minutes every time? Like if people can just stop worrying about things, like lay down a team agreement or a ways of working, um, and then then we can focus on being effective and building our product or working towards our, our team goals. But like, how do you work with kind of, because this goes in the line of like being vulnerable in front of each yeah. other, right? And there's like the levelness is very independent on what we would like to share, especially on like private stuff. And like me personally, I I don't like really care that much. I really share like a lot of like what's going on just this, like now, like, yeah, I'm getting married. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of those things I feel is kind of blending, but a lot of others don't feel like they want to share too much of their private selves um, at work. So like, have you found like other ways? I mean, Cards Against Humanity is great. It's also, you need to be a little bit, uh, maybe, what do you say? Like, not too shy for that. But <laughs> or you can be shy actually as well, because it's just yeah. the cards. But like, uh, um, yeah, do you I get my like follow-up question? Yeah. Like how to handle that? Yeah, and I think it, it's a good question because you're right, like we did it to create, to break down barriers between people in the team and there were people on the team that were shy and it was a way to pull them out of their shell a little bit so that they felt more comfortable even being shy in front of us. And I think it, it worked really well because we create a safe space, right? Like we're not, you can't be cutthroat and play cards against humanity. You can only be welcoming. And so like that helped us get past that. Um, I never ran into the problem where people like didn't want to play games um with us even though like it was a team it was a cross-functional team so we had one of our engineers was really introverted um but he was still excited by the idea of getting to play with the team and like we made it a space where like there is no wrong answer you know nobody gets mocked for anything um like no even like because <laughs> i was the only native english speaker you know like even i would just say to anybody is like if you don't know what a card is you can either put it back you know in the deck or you could ask me what it is and like there's no judgment um, so it establishes that like level of trust where um, you can talk through things. But yeah, it is, it worked for us, um, but I could absolutely see like what you guys are saying in terms of the counterpoint and that there might be situations where somebody would feel uncomfortable with that. Um, but we were also 
really big on, and I still am really big on being approachable so that like, you know, I'll quietly check in with somebody if I think they don't want to say something publicly um, or like making sure that I'm available. And when people are like, hey, I have a problem, I'm always like, I will find the time. Let's talk through it. Uh, but yeah, it is, it does take different personalities for sure. But it was one of our ways of like breaking down, uh, breaking down personal barriers and so that people felt more comfortable um, working together. Yeah. And like, that's yeah. the fun part of being in a team, right? That we have different personalities. Otherwise it's like, if everyone is just the same, then <laughs> kind of exactly. gets it. It would be annoying same. being a team yeah. with just uh, yourself. <laughs> yeah. I would hate it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I did to answer your question, Linda, is that um, like just now we played the two truths and one lie and everyone got to choose their own truth. So I would never play a game where you're supposed to, you get a question and you need to answer like truth or dare or something like that. Uh, because then it can easily become very personal and some people don't want to share share everything. But like to truth, then you can uh, go as deep or as personal as you feel comfortable sharing. You can take a, a situation from your work life that you, maybe it's something fun happened, your computer caught fire or something that's not usually something that is hard to share with with people but you could also tell something of yourself as a kid or something that you experienced so it's it's and and then just having um the feeling in the group that uh, even if you just put a, a lie like oh, i have a cat and uh, for people to guess on or not uh, it, it's okay uh, everyone gets celebrated for sharing some truths and lies about themselves and everyone gets the same sort of recognition from, from being a part of it. But uh, to get in the mood, I like to start my, my meetings being silly. So I usually ask uh, people to stand up, even when we're doing it on, on Teams or, or Zoom, to stand up and shake some body parts and stretch. And then it usually goes into some fun stretch of people are standing in weird positions. And usually people are very nice and follow me when I tell them to do stuff. And then just shake and then like, okay, put one hand forward, one hand back, put one hand forward and shake a little bit. And then it goes into honky tonk and everyone starts laughing when they realize what they're doing. Okay, now we can start. <laughs> so just getting people to laugh in the beginning of the meeting is something I feel works really well for me at least because then you already have that laugh together and then it's easy, easier to to have more fun together. one thing that we've done um in our team that we've got sort of like a setup that we do and i definitely believe i'm quite lucky in the fact that um we've got quite a um a positive happy team that i work on um but we do we set ourselves um sort of we have a morning meeting every morning and we set us our targets for the day but we set them ourselves and then what we also do is like a retro meeting as well at the end of the week um and on retro meeting we'll do sort of a personal target as well as sort of a that we want 
um, within sort of our work. So that works quite nicely because it's not only we sort of holding ourselves accountable for the job and making sure we've got that sort of job satisfaction um, and feel having a bit of ownership on our sort of personal targets. Um, but again, that sort of um, opens it up. It allows people on the team to set a target for themselves to aim and we can then sort of work out, oh, what, what do they like doing out of work? And that's a bit of a conversation starter as well, just to find out what they do sort of outside of work as well as sort of hitting um, goals within work as well, which which always seems to work quite nicely and start conversations in, in our team as well. Yeah, maybe I can share that because that's uh, kind of got me started on this. But every Friday we have a check-in as well with the team, which is kind of like a retrospective, but it's different from like the agile retrospective where you really like focus on like how did the last sprint go and then like it's very work related. This one is more open so you should have like three words that kind of described your week so then like okay this week was um maybe like stressful because of uh, like x and y and like i felt a bit uh, bad because i had like a migraine all week and it's got like highs and lows kind of in what is uh, what it has been and then it's kind of we rate it from one to five so as well we have like a score so we can kind of tr keep track of it it's not kept on individual level because that is not really the point but then you can kind of see trends like going over the um, the times and you can kind of correlate it as well to like other things that are happening so like had a huge dip in like february when we had like this the last kind of covid outbreak and then again when the kind of russian invasion happened it was of course like a lot of people that were like strongly affected by that personally and of course, that's going to like affect our, our team as well. So it was really important to like address that um, within the team as well and to like make sure that it comes up and that we have a safe space to, to talk about those type of things because it was uh, such a like huge deal and we had a lot of people with like personal connections to, to, the, uh, to the war as well. So just having that safe space, I think, helped and... Uh, at least made that kind of ventilation and it's nice to see it. and then some weeks it's like really good and it was like maybe correlated to something we did at work or like everyone had just like nice weekend uh, <laughs> kind of plans that also brings up the mood so it's nice to to share No, definitely. Oh, lovely. Well, we'll move on now to uh, to the next question. Um, and the next question um, was submitted by CJ. Um, so that is when choosing new team members, which is more important, skills or culture fit? Um, so, yeah, this definitely this one definitely comes up a lot of the time um, in my recruitment searches and that's that sort of thing. And it's definitely a difficult question to ask a, um answer. Uh, but CJ, if you'd like to give a bit of background behind the question and then I'll let everybody jump in it's funny uh i was like the question that is going to be asked third i thought this would be a good follow-up to that one because it would sort of combine the two but that's okay um so the reason i picked this one is because i was like i think a lot of times you know we're looking it's really hard to hire good people and it's really hard to hire like good senior people and like but at the same time if the team dynamics are wrong it's even harder to retain good people. And so it's something that I think about often and um, yeah, have thought about like, not just how good is this person, but like, how does they, how do they fit within the team? 
how do I see them developing relationships with other people? Can I see them being able to work within this environment? Um, and so I thought I, we should address that and be like, you know, would you ever hire somebody who is great skill, but like might not work with other people in the team um, or is culture fit more important? I think the short answer is no to that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, you wouldn't hire somebody even if they were really good? I don't think so, no. No, to me, being really good means that you be, need to be good at everything of that. Mm -hmm. So if you just have the skills and, and not the, the soft skills, if you just have the hard skills, then you're not good enough for, for the team. Yeah, but um, like we oh, just talked about how sometimes people are really shy and like they. Yeah, I know, it's yeah. like uh, hard with but, bias, right? Uh, because yeah. it could be a very biased uh, situation. But that's why it's good to have several interviews. So it's like not just one person yeah. giving the opinion. <laughs> so. But uh, my point is that it, being shy, that's not uh, not being a good cultural fit for the team. A team is, uh, to me, you need to distinguish cultural fit. Mm -hmm. Uh, and being a, a good team member, um, a cultural fit. If everyone, if this is a company that we are sociable, we are doing things together and we're doing this and that, caring for each other. But that doesn't mean you have to be an extroverted person that likes to spend time and get energy from spending time with everyone. A good fit for a team might be that, okay, this team is just extroverts. We need an introvert to balance it out. Or we have those people that um, come from this background, so we need to add some, some more diversity for it to be a, a really innovative team. Uh, but someone that is not talking to anyone or not functioning, uh, working in a team with teamwork, and if, if, if I'm recruiting to a team, then it's not a good fit. Uh, and that, that's what I mean by saying that that person is not good enough then. If that person just wants to work alone, then okay there are probably some other job for you to find uh, where you can just be that that lone person working in your silo yeah well then maybe i should rephrase the question what makes somebody a bad cultural fit i was thinking about that when jenny was talking and to me like big red flags are like of course if someone is like mean that's really hard to pick up in an interview of course yeah but something that you can kind of pick up as soon as they start working. Like super kind of arrogant or like something in those lines that you basically are, are kind of not respecting the other team members, which like has happened to me in, in other teams, not at H&M though, but like before that. Uh, so there are definitely those type of marks that you know, if if you make other team members cry, that's like a red flag <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. in not being a good cultural fit, in my opinion. So then um, I think in those lines, but that's very extreme. And like, of, like, I think in general, I do think that most people are definitely like can be part of it. And like, it's also so moldable, like, you mean, the group thinking and everything that happens once you kind of have the culture is also something that people get into very quickly. So like it doesn't have to be perfect from the beginning, but as long as you're kind of willing and open to to work with other people and to take in others' opinions. See, and I think that's the key for me is like, you know, even as we've been talking about this, I was like, 
being, you know, mean or like inappropriate or like, you know, working in a silo, like all of those people aren't going to be on a team anyway, right? So like if you're looking for cultural fit, for me, one of the things I really look for is people who can admit that they're wrong, right? Because if you think yep. you're right about everything and you're unwilling to like ever admit that they're wrong, then it tends to generate a toxic environment around you. And so I'll just ask people, yeah. literally during every interview, I ask somebody, I'm like, tell me about a time when you were wrong about something. And it always throws candidates. They're like, wrong professionally, wrong personally. Like, what do I, <laughs> just open-ended question. Just tell me about a time where you looked back and you're like, man, I was totally wrong about that. You know, um, and that sometimes helps because you can see people get tripped up when they're like, well, I don't know about a time when I was wrong about anything. And I'm like, all right, this might be a problem. But, mm -hmm. but that's, that's, and it's a subtle red flag, right? Cause it's not, it's not saying that they're not smart. It's not saying that they want to work by themselves. It's not saying that they're mean. It's just like that inability to accept feedback from other people because you think that you're right all the time really causes a problem culturally in my teams. And so it's one of the things that I'm actively looking for um, when I'm trying to get uh, to test out that cultural fit. But yeah, I think it's a good question. Yes, definitely. I, I ask something on, on the same line. Yeah. I usually ask us what's um, the hardest uh, feedback you ever gotten and mm -hmm. what did you do uh, with that feedback? <laughs> and if the, the the candidate cannot answer, like saying, oh, I never gotten any hard feedback or something, then I like, okay, um, you don't seem like a very mature person to me. I, I'm not saying that, of course, but we all had feedback that was hard to receive at one point. And if we haven't, then we haven't saved, maybe, or put ourselves out there, I guess. It's true. I've, um, I know that I've gone for job applications before. This was obviously years ago when I was still at, uni uh, at college and university. I applied to McDonald's to work at McDonald's and on the online application they actually ask a question and it's a trick question and it's purposely supposed to be there and it's something along the lines of like have you ever lied to your parents or something like that and it's it's just to uh, <laughs> it's just to trick people out and obviously <laughs> but you could just be a really honest person and never have lied to your uh, never have lied to parents but you just wouldn't get a job there but yeah that I remember that I remember that from years ago actually <laughs> that just reminded me <laughs> yes but then to revert back to that second part of your question like skills CJ um, I do still think that skills are like needed as well and it also depends so much of what you're hiring like if you're hiring for a junior position then you know that you're gonna have to like have the mentoring and like everything ready in the team. If you're hiring for a senior position, then probably you need to have someone who can like get into it a lot faster. And then maybe like if someone is completely new, like transitioning from another type of role to this and like applying for a senior position, maybe then that isn't really like the, the right candidate or like has some done like in our field of like AI, for example, if you just done like certain types of model and it's like really nothing to do with like what we are doing within my product, uh, then also it might be not the right fit for my team. But like, of course, can still be a very skilled candidate and like could do a great job in like some other team, but it might not be like the fit that we need right now. It all depends a bit on like the urgency and, and the willingness to teach the the other person like what they want to do. But so it's a little bit case by case, but doesn't mean yeah, that skills definitely. are not important. <laughs> I agree with you, Linda, but 
in in my team currently. I feel that uh, mindset is just as important or maybe a little more important than the actual skills. There need to be skills there, but uh, my team I'm hiring for currently, it's hard to find a, a very good match because there are very few candidates with that yeah. background. So mindset uh, can make up for a lot of other things. If Definitely. you have the mindset that you want to learn and you're eager to transition into something new and and you're ready for being maybe not as knowledgeable as you were in your previous um, uh, work, um, then uh, that is like value. I value that a lot higher than some actual hard skills in, in some cases. But yeah. I do need skills as well. Yeah, I was in, like I said, I hired an army of master's students, um, partially because we wanted to recruit good people and partially because um, I like teaching. But with the master's students, I didn't have them do a technical test. And a lot of them, like during the interview process, were like, we're not doing a technical test. And I was like, no, I was like, with a master's student, I need you to be enthusiastic, able to take feedback and willing to learn. And I was like, if you have those three, I can teach you anything. Um, and so like at that point, like that's, you know, going back to what you're saying, like being junior is fine. And on top of that, in my experience, I've, I never learn things as well as when I have to teach them to others, right? Like the act of teaching helps me learn and solidify my own knowledge. And so it benefits my senior people to be in a position of teaching because it helps them yeah. scale up, like level up their skills as well. So I think yeah. there are definitely times where like I'm looking, you know, for a specific spell, a skill, especially because, you know, we're a consulting firm. So like I can't put somebody who's never done GCP in front of a client who wants, a, you know, a GCP database warehouse built. Yeah. But I think like, you know, back to the rising tide lifts all boats, like building those relationships between my people so that they get an opportunity to mentor, solidify their own knowledge so that we have an opportunity to grow junior people, um, I think is, is super important. Yeah, and some of my best team members have been like people that others were like, no, too junior or like, no, didn't have the skill. And then like we took a bet on it and we were like, OK, but let's start here and see what happens. And it turns out like super great. So <laughs> it's like I definitely agree on those uh, like uh, things on like what is important is like the willingness to just learn and and uh, going back to what you said earlier, CJ, as well, like the willingness to like ask those stupid questions so you don't get stuck on something. Yeah, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because I know that when you're sort of looking for uh, for new talent and that sort of thing, it's almost hard to to put in a job description what you want sort of cultural culturally. And also, I think sometimes you don't like like you mentioned earlier, it's harder to it's easier to say what what you don't want or what wouldn't be a right fit than what what would good would be a good fit. So I think um, when when you send out almost like a job description and that sort of thing, when you're hiring new people, um, it's a lot easier to write about the skills and what, what you need in that way. But it's only when you sit down and have the interview and have the talk with them, that's when when you can really understand, is this the right sort of person for uh, for my team and, and what you want? And it's, it's definitely difficult, isn't it? But sometimes you do... Um, and I think that everyone's guilty as you say looking at, at like a profile and thinking oh that's not necessarily a good fit but then actually having the conversation with them that's when um, when things seem to spark and 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 that sort of thing <laughs> yeah definitely I just want to to add one thing and it's that uh, when we 
to me, what we've been talking about now, fitting into a team and having the right like mindset or, or things, it's not just what we usually mean with a cultural fit when we talk about cultural fit for a company, because it's also a danger when you just hire people that is a culture fit with your company, like saying that the company itself has a culture and it's only mm -hmm. that culture. But you have to understand that the culture comes from the people working at the company. So we, we, if we change people in the company, the culture changes with them. And if you're just hiring to fit the culture of the company, then you won't have like diversity because then you will, will maybe say no to people that is uh, introverted if the company's culture is considered being extroverted. So, um, but hiring to fit a team, uh, maybe I, I would uh, say that it should have another term than culture fit for a team. Like what we've been talking about is like fitting for a team in types of, of of a mindset or in like what you can bring to the team and what you need to have as a candidate to feel uh, happy in the team. If you're totally on another opposite side, then you would probably not enjoy your time in that. Yeah, definitely. Does anybody else have anything else uh, just to add to that question before we move move on? No, lovely. Um, so yeah, we'll move on um, now to the final question then. Um, so this one has been submitted by um, Linda. Um, and as, as CJ mentioned earlier, this it fits in quite quite nicely um, with the last question. Um, so the new hot thing is that we should have T-shaped profiles, um, but how are you implementing this in your teams and what is the depth and width um, so if Linda, if you'd like to uh, give a bit of background behind this question um, and then we can go straight into it. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my network like totally died. Great uh, timing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. We've got you back now. We're just on to your question um, now. So um, about the T-shaped profiles. Yeah. So should I give a bit of context to the to it while you, or you started already. Yeah, go on, you can give a bit of context, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, so for the past three years, uh, we've had very cross-functional teams, so con like constructed of data analysts, data scientists, and like engineers of various kinds. And what I find is that it very easily can go into being like big silos within those teams. So you have like, analysts doing their thing, like the data scientists doing their thing and the engineers are like doing their thing. But the key to like unlocking the effectiveness of the team is kind of getting everyone to work a bit together, but also then having their like specialty. So each individual still is like in the kind of power of knowing something to the real depth and like being the ones who, uh, who, uh, can answer maybe specific questions or like do specific tasks, but that we can help each other out a bit. Um, so that was why I was curious on that. Like if you've also worked in these type of settings and like what reflections and how to get it working in a good way so that we kind of going back to the to the T-shaping, like 
how to get people to help each other getting that broadness in their in their profile but also like keeping the expertise of a specific skill set that you have in the role how about you cj you're thinking i am i like that idea of like um like willing to help other people i also make a pretty strict like in cross-functional teams a pretty strict no jargon rule so like because it's it's easy once you're in like in a t-shaped profile to like really quickly slip into what i call the language of my people Right. And so like other data scientists will understand me, but engineers might not necessarily. And so like, you know, you're not allowed to use jargon like when we're communicating, like if, find a simpler way to explain it. Um, and I do the same thing with my people when we're like when they're giving presentations. Right. I'm, especially my students. I was like, find somebody who's smart, but knows absolutely nothing about data science or machine learning. And I was like, practice on them. I always use my mom. She's really smart, doesn't understand anything about data science. And I'll practice on her and if she can understand it then I've done a good enough job explaining it to somebody who has no background in what I'm doing. And that I think really helps cross-functional collaboration is, you know, you could think about it also as like putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. Um, but yeah, like no jargon, find a way to explain this to somebody who doesn't have your background. Um, and that can, I think, really help with like uh, cross-functional collaboration breaking people out of their silos. Yeah, is I really resonate with that. I always tell my data scientists like, no equations on the slide <laughs> like yeah. whatever you do like yeah. remove them otherwise they're always there like they want to have the equations yeah. and i'm like no <laughs> like yeah. even if like maybe we understand it but as soon as you like go out of this like uh, group then it starts to be uh, very yeah. tricky so yeah or like you know especially if they're giving a presentation to stakeholders i'm like ask what the information that they need to know you do not care about how you split your training and test data. Like they don't yeah. like this. This is not important to anybody besides you. So like you need to really think about like what do other people need to know to get my point across. Um, but yeah. one trick I do often with people um, is because I used to do this by myself is if they're like, no, 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 I really think that this equation is important or like I really need to have this graph in here. I'm like, OK, here's what you're going to do. You're going to get to the thank you slide and then you're going to put that slide after the thank you slide. So if anybody ever asks you the question being like, man, I really wish I knew how these polynomials were broken out. You could be like, oh, I've already got a slide. It's right here, right? So oh. it's not part of your talk and it's not part of what your audience is expected to know, but it is available. And then they, they don't feel bad. They're like, oh, it's still there. Still yeah. happy that it's, you know, it's there. It's just not gonna be, and nobody ever asked that question, but uh, they feel good about like, you know, <laughs> the answer being there in case they need it. Yeah, yeah. that's really good. And and the the number of times they actually show it is like like zero, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Maybe uh, when they have their like internal data science, yeah, uh, yeah. when they're like, talking to other data scientists, exactly, yeah, and, yeah. And, be like, they can uh, show it, but yeah. uh, otherwise not so much. No. Yeah. Um, but that's how I we, that's how we try to build cross-functional work. Is you know. Yeah, I usually I've told uh, my team members to like you get you need to know your context you need to know your audience you need to set, put yourself in their shoes like, um, and it's a very good practice if you're talking to different people to put yourself in like if you're this person what do i know what do i care about and then you can get to the core and that's how you can create better presentations mm -hmm. so i've, I've um, been um, coaching some team members that been yeah. doing presentations to like is this really necessary to talk about is this 
uh, adding value to the listeners. And most yeah. of, of the time it's like, no, it's just because you want to show it or it's important to you. Yeah. Or I'll ask them, I'm like, what were you trying to say with this slide? Or like, what were we trying to say with this graph or this image? Like, what, what do you, and they're like, huh, good point. I have no idea. And I was like, then it doesn't need to be here. <laughs> it's like, um, but yeah, like yeah. just asking, I think that question really helps, um, helps with communication. But I think also for me, it's like the way I've been trying to tackle it is to kind of force people to really work in like pairs as well that are like cross uh, discipline or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then I try to, because our product is like in production. So we have a lot of things like every week we run new uh, recommendations and then every now and then like stuff happens like we need to deal with the the bugs or whatever like data issues or what it, what it can be so um i enforced like everyone to have that responsibility as well to like tr try it out even like the independent on role like everyone should do it every once in a while and like see those things that are like absolutely essential for the team to function as well like what are the things like twice a year we do model training like does it have to be a data scientist that does the model training no it's very standardized so like let the software engineer do it who is like interested in learning more about machine learning like they can do one one of those things to just get into it a bit more and um, like then maybe the more tricky things like oh, we should do a new model or like we need to solve this measurability problem of our models or like whatever it's like super deep like that the scientists can do, but they also don't want to like do the repetitive stuff. And then others might think it's super exciting because it's the first time for them. So that's how I've been trying to to make it a bit also in like the actual work that they're doing. Yeah, and I think that goes back to um, I mentioned this briefly earlier. I'm a big I'm a huge fan of pair programming, um, yeah. partially because I think it benefits both parties, right? Like it benefits the person um, who is actually who's who's driving, right? The one who's actually typing on the keyboard because they're learning how the other person thinks. And it benefits the person who's not typing, who knows more um, because they have to find a way to explain why they're doing what they're doing and they have to find a way to verbalize that out loud. Um, and I think it's one of the things that's done really well during the pandemic, right? It's a little bit tricky because I'm like, okay, I got to share my screen and then like we've got to, you know, I've got three different tabs and can you see what I'm doing? Um, but I think it's, it's, you can't, you know, because if you're virtual, then the person who's not driving can't literally take the keyboard away and yeah. <laughs> start writing somebody else's code. Um, but I'm a huge, it's, I'm a huge fan of it because again, I'm an extrovert, so I like learning from other people. Um, and then I also like teaching other people because um, it helps me solidify my knowledge. But uh, I, so I like being paired like that and I like pushing my people to get more comfortable with it. But I also know there's some people that they don't learn like that and that they would prefer, you know, um, they want to either, I have one guy who's really good at experimenting by himself. He wants to just sit down and play around with the code until it works and he's doing great results that way. Um, I have some people who, you know, want to read the book and then they'll have the knowledge and then they want to move forward and so um like definitely works differently for different people but yeah for me i think that's a i'm a huge fan of pairing up uh and it's how i learned all of the engineering that i know uh I shout out to the engineers at Klarna who helped me out <laughs> yeah and i've actually like uh, coming from more of a like 
business analyst background and like business background it's uh like i struggled a bit in the beginning i was like isn't it super inefficient for two people to just sit and stare at the screen <laughs> and then like now i've learned i'm like no it is actually not and like even if it like does take like a little bit longer to actually like do the tasks like it's worth it because it's like in the end the other person also got something out of it and and like they were able to solve it together so and two brains like this is a point where like you know sometimes two minds are better than one right so like if you have two different people two different perspectives um two different like there's nothing i found in programming that has to be done one way there's always multiple ways to do things and like hearing how other people do things helps me augment how i'm doing things and like increases my abilities and makes my profile a little bit less t-shaped every time yeah definitely and the more time you spend pair programming or mob programming the less time you need to spend on fixing bugs and refactoring things Mm -hmm. or building new things because that's not working very well yeah it gets more quality color and less time you have to spend on peer review right like i think peer review is also a great process but you know if you've got two brains who are working on it like it's already been peer reviewed a little bit yeah yeah Oh, definitely. Well, um, I think everybody's had um, a good conversation. Does anyone have anything else to add just before I go ahead and stop the recording there? No, no? but it would be, I would love to have this as a, a real meeting where we could just talk about this <laughs> even longer. I know, I think that would be fantastic. And I think we're most of us are in Stockholm, we should keep in touch. Definitely. I hope I hope that you do. I'll go ahead and stop the recording there. Um, so.